Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Head first slide. Safe and in the score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. Right over the bag at first. Now Jose and... Anderson square off, they're fighting, they're swinging, down goes Anderson, down goes Anderson. Ramirez went in with a head first slide, Hosey never gets upset about anything, they came up chewing, Anderson squared off, Hosey decked him. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. So, just saw a tweet from uh, my old friend Jesse Rogers of ESPN. Says that uh, he was in two clubhouses this morning, the Astros and the Yankees, for the game that he's working. And he said, quote, if I heard down goes Anderson once, I heard it a dozen times. End quote. That Tom Hamilton call. Of that meme-worthy video. Down goes Anderson! Down goes Anderson! Is making its way around baseball circles with breathtaking speed. It already did last night. Folks, if you didn't see it, Lucas Giolito, Tim's former teammate, was caught on just like a fan phone video out in the bullpen talking to a bullpen compadre of his clearly giving him the breakdown of the three-punch sequence that T.A. comes 
with an overhand right that misses right at the beginning. And then that Jose Ramirez then responds because T.A. punches first here. He sets up and he punches first and tries to deliver. Ramirez swings once wildly. And then the second time he swings with the right hook, he hits Tim Anderson flush on the face and T.O. goes down, clearly knocked out. And John Boy is calling it a, quote, forever meme. Jose Ramirez just made a forever meme out of Tim Anderson. Rough times. And I'm telling you, mark it here, this will go down as as the end of Tim Anderson's time with the White Sox. They'll trade him this offseason, pick up the option and trade him. I, I, I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. I, I don't know. But, but what I'm saying is a decade from now, we will look back and if we talk about, God, that whole White Sox rebuild thing, yeah, that thing failed. It's too bad. Remember, remember Tim? What a, what a, what a sad, sad decline for Tim from what he was to what he ended up being. Ah, yeah, well, he took that punch from Jose Ramirez. Am I right? Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. All right. See you later. Have a good day. Like, that's how that conversation's going to go in a decade. So, it's too bad. But for right now, everybody's laughing. Just not Tim. He's not in the lineup today. White Sox are playing right now. But that's the news of the day. So, I wanted to make sure I got there. The pitcher for the Atlanta Braves, the best team in baseball today, is Charlie Morton. And Charlie Morton on the year is 10-9 and with a 3.62 ERA. His career has been a really interesting one. In his uh, career, he started in Atlanta all the way back in 2008. Then he was a pirate for a long time, all the way through 16. He signed an extension there, thought he'd stay in Pittsburgh for, for a good long while, got hurt in 2016, um, then went to Philly, and that's where he got hurt, excuse me. But he had a couple of good starts in Philly. He had like four starts. You'll hear him talk about it. And then the Astros were interested, and the Astros changed his life and his career. And I got a chance to talk with Charlie Morton about that yesterday. First thing I asked him, first thing I asked him was if he, why to this point, he had never, he's been a lot of places. I mentioned Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Philly, now Houston, now Tampa, back to Atlanta. Why not the Cubs or the Sox? I signed the extension in Pittsburgh because I wanted to be a bucko for as long as I could be. Yeah. And then in 2015, I pitched poorly enough for them to give me the boot. And then I got hurt in Philly the next year. And really, the only the only two teams that were offering me a multi-year deal and um, for the 2017 season um, were not. I, I do believe the Cubs called. Did they? I could remember, but I think I think they were actually interested in one year, maybe even pitching out of the pen. And at that point, I was like, man, I went with I signed with the Astros on a two-year deal and. Um, and then from there, I mean, I got a chance to pitch at home for our hometown team in Tampa. Yep. And uh, having four kids and living in Bradenton, Florida, I, uh, I prioritize being as close to home as possible. You know, and Chicago's kind of far from Bradenton, Florida. Yeah, and, and, and both teams train in Arizona. So. Yeah, that too. But, um, no, I mean, it, 
you know, pit, pit, wearing that uniform, like pitching at Wrigley. Right? It's pretty you know, cool when you're watching yeah, it, like, isn't it? The, the day games, being, and being a family guy, like have, the idea that I get to go home and have dinner with the kids and, and my wife and, yeah, you know, just, just being in this area. It's appealing, like to a to a ball player, to a, to a guy like me. It's just that, um, you know, in my in my stage of life and my career, I think, um, you know, things happen for a reason. You got friends who um, who have been Cubs and have mm-hmm. enjoyed their time as Cubs. Yeah, who, very much. Who, like who? Um, well, the first the first guy that comes to mind is Clayton Richard. I mean, I, I Clayton. Uh, He's coaching football now, isn't he? I haven't talked to him in a while. I talked to him a couple years ago. And I, I mean, he's one of my favorites I've ever played with. And, um, That's cool. You know, I, I like just like coming here. You see the the fans. It it doesn't. I mean, obviously, it matters. Winning and losing matters. Um, but there's like a. It just seems to be a culture of um, with the fan base in Chicago, just enjoying the time at the park. And it feels like a ballpark, and I, I, that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy coming here. And I think why guys that I know that come here, you know, aside from the team and the clubhouse, really enjoy their time in, yeah. in, in the Cubs uniform. There's a sense of joy here, without a doubt. People are so happy to be at the park, yeah. to be out here. What um, what other places around the league feel somewhat like that? Like, what are the ballparks that give that vibe off the best? Um. I don't know because every, every city is a little bit different. Um, every fan base is a little bit different, even within the same city. You know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, the the Cubs, the, the vibe at Wrigley is different than going down and playing the White Sox, playing at you know Yankee Stadium, is a little bit different vibe than playing at City Field or Shea. Yeah. Um, it's it just a. You know, the, the two L.E. teams are different. San Francisco teams are different. It's just mm-hmm. different vibes. Um, I mean, I I love going to Fenway. I really love going to Fenway. It feels like a ballpark. The fans feel like baseball fans. I mean, obviously, they're, they're really passionate about the Red Sox, but there's there's a feeling, there's a sense of, a, you know, a connection to, to the game, not just the, the team. Yeah. Um, all right, I got a weird one for you. Wikipedia says you were born in Flemington, New Jersey. Is that true? Did you grow up there at all? Did you spend any time there? I grew up in Trumbull, Connecticut. Trumbull, Connecticut. Okay. Because I grew up in Jersey, and I used to deliver ice to the Flemington Fair in Flemington, okay. New Jersey. Yep. Which was like a fun job. So. so I don't really remember too much about Flemington, um, other than I guess at the time... Um, like my my mom would drop me off at daycare, and I remember seeing the cows on the, on the side of the road on the way to daycare. And I'm assuming that like a lot of places that doesn't really happen. No, I think that's that's true. Daycare by the cows is a rarity in New Jersey. I think that's true. Yeah. Um, and then and then I w- I've always wondered this. So the perception from the outside is that you get to Houston. And their big brains are like, we got you figured out, Charlie Morton, and we're going to start throwing that curveball. It's a really good one, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, But that's probably not how it goes. Like, Because right. so was it collaborative? Like, do you remember a moment where you and the Astros together, like you guys figured out something and you got excited? Well, I don't think it's necessarily... I don't necessarily think it's just, hey, like, we're going to get on the, let's go go to the pen and let's bust out the magic and then we put you on the field. Yeah. 
they, like teams aren't going to give you millions of dollars um, because they think that you can get in the in the pen and work with their pitching coach and become great. I think they think that you can harness some of the tools that you have and implement them in a way that you weren't, and that's exactly what happens. Because in Pittsburgh, I was throwing anywhere from 60 to 70% two-seamers, and I was throwing a lot of those sinkers to lefties, and I, they were hitting about like 400-something off me, and then I would, you know, I'd handle righties okay. A lot of contact, pitch to contact, three pitches or less, trying to get them to put the ball in play. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, there was enough weak contact, contact on the ground, and we positioned our guys, you know, a little bit of luck, a little bit of, you know. Yeah. But I got to Philly with Cranny and Bob McClure, and they, uh, they dove into the numbers a little bit, and they saw that my curveball was performing really well. Um, and this is in Philly in 16. Uh-huh. And at the time, too, because I came to spring training, and I was throwing hard. I was like 94, 96 in spring training. And um, and they were like, hey, why don't you throw this curveball more? Because you're throwing a lot of fastballs. Why don't you throw a little cutter a little bit, mixing the change up? Like, why aren't you throwing this pitch that hitters are hitting like 120 off? <laughs> and that was around the same time that... Um, the stat cast stuff started to come out 2015 with spin rates and all that. Yeah. And it showed that my breaking ball was a, not only statistically performing, but also metrically should be performing. There was justification why my football was good. And um, I only made four starts in Philly, but I, the Astros saw that. They saw the, you know, and I think the Rays picked up on it. Uh-huh. I think the Pirates picked up on that because they, they, were, they were all kind of more analytically driven, especially the Astros. Um, and so when I got hurt, the Astros were one of the most, if not the most aggressive team in free agency that, that year. And it was because of what they saw in the numbers, just yeah. the metrics. Yeah. And so when they put me in that room, they got a little boardroom and they got the little screen up there. And they're like, hey, you know, your two-seamer is doing this. You know, it's moving this much. Your four-seamer is this. Your curveball is doing this. And it was a... Um, It was a philosophical shift, um, completely different from the Pirates, because they wanted me to get the ball and put in play. They wanted the ball in play. Yeah. The Astros were completely the opposite. They said nothing bad's going to happen if they don't put the ball in play. Yeah. Right? You might get a guy to hit a ball 40 miles an hour, but you still go up a hit, or there can be an error. Yeah. Or whatever. Did you you get it right away? Did it make sense to you? No. Well, I, I mean... It's like if I, I just spent the last seven years of my career yeah. trying to pitch to contact, yeah. and now you're telling me you don't want me to pitch to contact, you don't want me to throw my two-seamer down into righties, you don't want me to just keep feeding fastballs, you want me to throw my breaking ball, even in 3-2 counts, um, less predictive, you know, less predictability. Um, and for me, that was, that was different. I bet. It was very different because uh, the priority shifted. Yeah. And so I tried it out, and I was striking out more guys, which was fun. And I was throwing harder because it was like, hey, I'm not trying to let you hit the ball. I'm trying to beat you in the zone. Right? Uh-huh. 
I'm trying to beat you in the zone and above the zone. That changes the mindset. That changes the mindset. And with that, it changes your stuff because now you're prioritizing stuff over location and movement. Um, a specific type of movement, I would say that. Obviously, like you want your curveball to move more, you want your true to move more, but they wanted me to shift from going in on righties to away to righties, mm -hmm. or up and into lefties, um, above the zone, lefties, breaking balls below in any count. And they were encouraging me to throw that curveball more. So it wasn't like... Like, because I've heard, like, I've heard that, like, guys will ask me, like, what did you do, f like, to, for your spin rates? What did you do for stuff? Like, Stronger didn't, like, pull us out there and, like, show me how to increase spin rates or put a bunch of sticky stuff on my hand. It was just that they, they know, they knew at the time because they started tracking that information with spin and movement, vertical and just vertical movement up and down. They knew, like, hey... We're betting on stuff. Like, we'll tell you how to implement your stuff, but we're betting on your stuff. Wow. So, like, it kind of some of it happened because of the mindset and because of what you were you were doing. Well, I think they have a the rays aren't that different because they have all the tech. Yeah. At the time they did, and they were, you know, they were a little ahead of the curve. Yeah. And the rays are outrageous. I I, 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 I think it's the most efficient and well-run organization in professional sports. Just because, I mean, like, every year, they've got more and more and more so they can manage to survive within the budget. I mean, it's remarkable. Yeah. Well, they, they, have, um, they have an ability and a confidence to pick guys for their tools, and then they ride those tools yeah. to the extreme. And... Um, and it's good for guys that aren't getting opportunities somewhere else. Yeah. Um, it's it just looks different. It feels different. Hmm. Um, you know, from the outside looking in, especially when you start to do the use the opener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, almost experimentally, you know, positioning guys to you know have different roles that one. Yeah. Yeah, we had we had Zobrist here. And it felt like we were taking a little piece of, of, of Tampa sensibilities, you know? Yeah, and I, I mean, I understand that. And I, I think you see that a lot. You know, it's like guys guys are very curious. People are very curious yeah. about what's going on in Tampa. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. All right, last thing for you, man. I appreciate the time. Um, this is a good bunch. It's a good team. It's a good team you're on here. Like, I mean, yesterday was stunning, that, that offensive explosion. Um, in terms of a lineup that you've been around and watching as a pitcher of four is this about as good as you've been on some good teams but where does this one rank well i i don't i don't know i mean it, it's, it seems like every day i'm hearing something on you know here right now just ambient noise but it's mlb network or espn and it's like braves just you know set a record for this or that the offense or, you know the guys are like this that and the other and um I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, the, the, well, why are these guys good? Like, what are, what are they doing? They're obviously locked in. They're all, um, I mean, you look around the room. It's like some really talented dudes. But I think that the, um, I think a lot of it has to do with just the the quality of the people in here, hmm. the, the vibe in the room, because. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's like you, you think, hey, you took. 
this guy or that guy, and you put them in a different clubhouse, you know, would they perform? I, I don't know. I'm assuming so. I'm assuming that they're all. But I think that it, on a day-in and day-out basis, it helps that when guys come to the park, they feel like they're welcome, they feel relaxed, they mm -hmm. feel confident. And while there's a sense of expectation, I don't feel a sense of pressure in this range. I don't think guys feel pressure. I think they feel um, that they can be themselves. And then when they come to the field, that um, they're in a place that they feel like they can just go play. Yeah. It's it's because I, I said this repeatedly. It's like you're in front of this room. There's for the amount of talent and the amount of money that's yeah. been spent locking a lot of these guys up. It's very rare to have this feeling of there's a humbleness into this room. There's a quiet confidence and a peacefulness to this room. Wow. That I think it's really hard to find, and I think Alex has prioritized that, and that's why this is happening, because he's made sure that the guys in the room are good dudes. That's Charlie Morton, the Braves' starting pitcher today, talking yesterday in the clubhouse with me, Matt Spiegel, <clears throat> and decided to bring it to you today on Hit and Run. He references Alex Anthopoulos. That's who he's talking about, that Alex has looked for quality people and has then locked them up. And he referenced the amount of money that everybody's locked up for. It is astounding when you really look at it and think about it. You know, remember that Matt Olson is signed for this year and next and 25 and 26 and 27. And I, I only can see through 27 on the chart that I'm looking at. Okay. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr., is signed through 2026 with a team option that they'll pick up in a heartbeat for 2027 at $17 million. Uh, Austin Riley is signed and locked in for every year through 2027. Ozzie Albies is signed and locked in. The number two hitter, a second baseman with pop. $7 million a season for the next three and two club options of $7 million in 26 and 27. I mean, Michael Harris, the nine hitter and center fielder who would be a top two or three hitter for most teams in baseball is locked up $5 million, then five, then eight, then eight, then $9 million in 2027, locked and loaded. The catcher, Sean Murphy, the All-Star, the acquisition from Oakland, locked up for every season through 27 at 15 mil. I mean, it, it's, it's remarkable. Spencer Strider, the 24-year-old ace, is making $1 million this year, make the same next year, then $4 million, then he makes $20 million in 26 and 27. But they can spread out that average. It's ridiculous. Just ridiculous. They did what the White Sox tried to do, man. They did what the White Sox tried to do, but they waited until they knew these guys were good at the big league level. And, you know, and some of them are people they brought in from elsewhere. They decided to sign Olsen and let Freddie Freeman go. They decided to sign Sean Murphy and let young William Contreras go. It's, it's really intelligent, and it's working right now, and we'll see – if it keeps on working, the danger is that you get guys who aren't hungry and aren't busting their ass to be as good as they can be. But that's not happening, as you can tell. 
best team in baseball. So, good stuff from Charlie Morton. Appreciate his willingness to chat. I'm going to try and do that regularly. Um, So, thank you uh, to those of you uh, who are listening and uh, kind of enjoyed this angle of going into the clubhouse, talking to somebody from the opposition and uh, trying to get that on the show. I'll try to do that uh, more regularly. Um, We've got... Cubs and Braves, the finale of the series coming up at about 1245. Zach Zabin will be on the call along with Ron Coomer. Uh, When we come back, some incredible advice that I got this past week that I wanted to share with you about doing the job at the center of the game that we love. Not a player, but the other job. We'll talk about it next on 670 The Score. We're back. Ground ball to the hole in the truck, loved by Swanson. One hop throw, got him. Great play by Dansby. He made a backhand stop, planted that right foot, jumped up and made a one hop throw, and he did all of it in as quick as a wink. Dansby Swanson with the outstanding defensive play because that's what he does that's just what he does everything is very very smooth very impressive and Dansby Swanson is killing it uh of late uh, defensively and also offensively uh Swanson has homered five times since he came back um from the injury and has homered I know he had 10. He's got five in the homestand, seven in his last 12 games after hitting 10 in his first 99 games as a Cub. That's what I'm looking for. Dansby Swanson's been real good. Seiya Suzuki has not been real good. And Seiya Suzuki, folks, is no longer part of the starting lineup on the regular, especially against right-handed pitchers. Um, This is an interesting concept and it's an interesting thing to sort of kick around and understand here's david ross from pregame yesterday talking about the decision and what went into it he's just a little in between right now trying to get him a plan in the box the right thinking the right thoughts um give him a minute to work on some things uh we can see how off he is and just not in rhythm and um you know i think he's beating himself up a little bit wanting to produce for the guys and um his heart is in the right place. We got to get his head in the right place. We got to get his mechanics in the right place, and just give him uh, some things just to get him back going. And so um, he knows that he knows he needs to work on some things. So just um, it's hard to do that in game, and and we'll give him uh, some time, and he'll be back in there when we feel like um, he can help us win games. Man, that's very direct. And even though you hear him dancing around some of the specifics of what they're actually working on. What he's not dancing around is the truth of the lack of playing time. So he's, uh, he's not going to be out there. He's not going to be out there, and he's not out there in the lineup today. Mike Talkman leads off in right field. Then it's Nico Horner, Ian Happ, Cody Bellinger. It's cleanup. Dansby Swanson is five. Jamer Candelario at first base is the six hitter. Christopher Morell at seven is your designated hitter. Nick Madrigal at third bats eighth. And Miguel Amaya is your catcher hitting ninth. Justin Steele is your pitcher. That is the best nine they could put out there right now to me. I mean, you could argue Jan Gomes versus Amaya because Gomes has been, has been pretty darn good at the plate. 
but I, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be upset about seeing Miguel Amaya uh, out there. I feel real good about that nine. I have felt real good about the nine that David Ross has been putting out there on the regular since the deadline. A shift has happened. Something has happened here, and you know what it is. They made the decision to buy. And Jed Hoyer said so. It was the comeback against the White Sox on the south side. And then it was the Talkman catch the next night in St. Louis. And it was the eight in a row. And uh, with those those six wins against the Cardinals. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's what it was. And now the shift has happened in mindset, too. Trey Mancini, thanks so much. But on we go. Let's go ahead and move on from that, shall we? Um, you know, who else say a Suzuki can't be having these at bats, man. You're in between, you're in trouble. Let's go work on it. I know I paid you a lot, whatever. Best nine. This is what needs to happen. You know, Talkman's got to be in there. Okay. Uh, Patrick wisdom. I'll find a matchup for you, but I'm not going to use more playing time trying to get you going. None of that. The cross purposes that often come in a baseball season, um, of like, oh, I'm trying to get somebody going, trying to learn some information, trying to make sure guys get rest. I mean, that's still a factor in there. But we're used to seeing Cubs second halves of late, the last two seasons, where those cross purposes are going on. Let's check out some of the kids, shall we? Let's see how they look. No, no, no. This is winning time. Every day is winning time. And every day should be the best nine. And I feel like that mindset is readily seen with every move they're making. I think David Haas said yesterday that this lineup, similar to today's lineup, was like their game one of a postseason series. This is what their lineup should look like, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I think so. I'd probably have Gomes catching. I would too. Uh, myself, I, I, I think his veteran thought process and, and leadership and, and his veteran bat skills. It, Jan Gomes is a pretty good hitting catcher. He's crushing left-handed pitching. And, and he, he has for a long time been a guy who everybody would say yeah Jan Gomes real good defensive catcher great handling and great teammate everything and he can hit you know because most catchers that's like the last thing that they actually care about or will bring up he can hit so here you go that's your lineup today and it's a pretty good one all right I mentioned this I do a podcast called the PBP I want you to hear this um, because if anybody's listening maybe they know of me and that podcast or they know that I got the chance to do play-by-play um I did those three games against the Cardinals a couple weeks ago And I learned a lot. And this past week's episode, which you can get on Odyssey, on Apple Podcast, anywhere, just look for the PBP, Voices of Baseball. Or you can just search Voices of Baseball, if you'd like, on a podcast app. Just search Voices of Baseball, and that ought to pop up. Um, Jason Benetti gave some incredible advice that I wanted to, to, to make sure that you heard along with me, and we got some context on it. All right, Miles Mastroboni, uh, no home runs in his career, so he caught me off guard. I think the listeners, too, so maybe this plays, but I was certainly caught off guard. <laughs> the 3-1 to Miles is hit hard towards right center, very hard, so hard that it's gone. Jordan Walker went back but didn't have a chance. Miles Mastroboni takes a 3-1 pitch from Jack Flaherty and sends it out of here. This game tied at one in the third. So hard. So hard. hard. How hard was it? I can't believe I mentioned match game. Now, the, the one technical detail that I would say and then the one personality thing beyond that, I would just say, like, in the air more. 
you know, like swinging a long drive, like high in the air, whatever the trajectory looks like. I think that helps us know whether or not we're in peril here. Like, I think when the ball gets hit, we want a danger meter as an audience very quickly. Like, how dangerous is this? How likely is this to elate me? Where am I on that scale? And so when somebody, like when I misjudge a fly ball, I know I'm going to hear about it on Twitter because I didn't sell it well enough because everybody's like, well, I didn't know. You know, there's this jump in your heartbeat when a ball gets hit and you want to know exactly where the, you know, from blue to red, I guess we are. Um, But the other thing I would say is smiling is a very effective weapon in conversation but I don't think smiling is an extremely effective weapon in big moments because I think that takes away from the gravitas of it. I, I tend to hear laughing slash smiling uh, more in people who haven't done it a lot than people who have done it a lot. And it's the sense of wonder that is effective. But if you overdo it, it seems like you're not um, it, you haven't seen something like this before, which I think sells out your level of capability to your experience relatively. That's really interesting to me. And um, if you're interested in play-by-play and creativity and such, I'd highly recommend listening to that conversation. And if I ever get the chance to do it again, I will do it with a cleaner tone. Benetti and I went on to talk about, like, you know, when you talk as a talk show host – You're trying to get across a lot, whether it's that smiling in conversation like he's talking about or just my sort of sense of wonder about it all or those kind of things. And you don't need that in play-by-play. you got to play it straighter, make it more play-by-player-ish. You know, if hitter-ish is a thing, play-by-player-ish could be a thing. So super valuable. Uh, On next week's episode, John Boog Shambi, who I just recorded with the other day, Really interesting conversation from a guy who knows it obviously brilliantly well, has done it nationally, and now is on his third year of doing it for the Cubs locally after doing it locally in Atlanta and a little bit in Miami. So um, we talk about all of that and much, much more for next week's episode. Um, Would highly recommend. Cubs and Braves coming up in just a few minutes. Zach Zaidman has your call. Along with Ron Coomer, want to thank all the guests on today's show. Mike Talkman was terrific in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, Chris Kampka at 1040 was great. Cliff Floyd, always a pleasure to talk to Cliff at 11 o'clock. Alex Cohen was really good at 1140, talking about PCA and Caleb Killian and Matt Mervis and more. Thank you to Charlie Morton of the Braves for his attention as well. Thank you to Sean Sears doing a great job producing this uh, plate-spinning kind of a show today. Thank you to Leo Stoddaher for coming in and helping out. Um, Thank you to Ruben Ford Spiegel for his fine job as the associate producer and call screener. He earned every bit of his $20 salary from the boss, Mitch Rosen. Thank you to all those over at Marquee Sports Network for all their help with the simulcast and the great Kevin Lapka, who handles our Twitch stream and handled the simulcast today. Cubs baseball is coming up next. I'm back with Parkinson Spiegel tomorrow, Monday through Friday, and next Sunday we'll be right here for Hit and Run on the Score. Down goes Anderson! 
Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.